embarking upon an adventure. We are going to spend the next two months in the Gospel of John. And in doing so, we are going to explore who this author is and how the author presents Jesus to us. For many people, the Gospel of John is their favorite gospel because the language is so beautiful and the imagery is so strong, and many people find it comforting. Some other people find the language too thick and too difficult to go through, and sometimes it can be a stumbling block for some people. For example, the author of this gospel loves to play with words loves to play with Greek words. And so there can be some words in the Greek that have multiple meanings. And in some cases, that author wants you to interpret that with all three meanings in mind. And we're going to see an example of that next week when we take a look at Nicodemus. But in today's scripture, there are two words that pop out to us that we need to understand how the author's using them because it's going to inform us in how this particular gospel is written and what some of the major themes are in it. And the first word we want to look at is the author's use of the word hour. The word hour. In the text, Mary notices that they are running out of wine, and she says, Jesus, hey, do something about this. And Jesus's response is, my hour has not come. Well, what does that word hour mean there? It's referring to, and I'm going to use, use this very technical term, the moment of glorification. Well, then we need to know what the moment of glorification is for this author. So I want you to work on this with me. I want you to hold up fingers as I count them off. So everybody hold up one finger. For this author, the moment of glorification is one event, but it comes in three parts. And the first part is Jesus' death. That's part number one. The second one, hold up two fingers, is the moment of Jesus' resurrection. And then the third is what we call the ascension. This is where Jesus' resurrected body as a whole goes up into eternal life to sit with the Father. Now what I want you to do is imagine taking a piece of string or a piece of twine and winding it around your three fingers until your three fingers come together. For the author of John, those three pieces are one event. Jesus' death upon the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension is one event. And that's the moment of glorification. Okay, you can put your hands down. But that's what we're talking about, is this moment in time where Jesus reveals his true nature fully and wholeheartedly to the whole world. And it's this one event, the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. And the entire gospel is actively driving to this point. It's almost as if the author was going in reverse looks at this event and says, okay, what led up to that event and then back up from that and tell the story from that perspective. And that's what we get from the Gospel of John is this, is this driving force pushing us to this one event in three parts. So when Jesus says, my hour is not yet come, he's referring to that one event in three parts. It hasn't happened yet. I can reveal something of myself, but not all of it. We're not there yet. Everybody with me on what we're talking about there with the hour? The other word that we want to look at, now that we've got hour in our bailiwick, we want to look at another word. In this story, the author does not say the word miracle. The water into wine, the author uses the word sign. Sign is a big deal in the Gospel of John. Sign is something that points to something else. 
A sign is something that points to someone else, to something else. And in Jesus' case, the miracles that Jesus is going to perform in this gospel are all signs that point to the glory of God. Well, okay, fine. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the very real presence and the very real power of God. So all of Jesus' acts that are miracles point to God's presence and God's power. In the Gospel of John, more than the other Gospels, Jesus is depicted as the incarnate deity. He is God in person. Jesus is God made flesh. Jesus is God walking among us. God, Jesus is God breathing right here with us. And so each of Jesus' signs points to God's presence saying, I'm here because Jesus is God. Each of Jesus' miracles in this gospel says, ha, God's here, right here. Right here, right now. And that is a major theme that runs throughout this gospel. Again, all of it is driving to this one event in three parts, and each of those miracles are signs pointing to the reality. God is walking with you, and by the way, it's me. Right here, right now. These signs are meant to reveal something about God. They are meant to declare to us something about God in Jesus. And so it got me to ask the question, what are the signs we are looking for? What are the signs we are looking for that show us Jesus is real, Jesus is present, Jesus is God's present with me? And what are these signs going to tell me about Jesus and about God? What are the signs we are looking for to encourage our own faith. Prayers answered a certain way. An overwhelming sense of peace. Job and financial security. Health and wholeness. What is the sign that we're looking for that's going to remind us Jesus is with you? What are the signs going to reveal to us about what we can expect of Jesus. Steve and I had not been married very long when I needed to have surgery to correct the deviated septum in my nose. I was having three or four sinus infections a year, and each time it would take two or three rounds of antibiotics, and they were getting more and more powerful. So the hope was that I could have this surgery and not have the sinus infections anymore and even make my colds a little bit easier. So I told Steve, I said, I'm going to have this surgery, and here is Steve's solution. Whack me in the face with a two-by-four. That is what he said, is that he can, he can fix it by whacking me in the face with a two-by-four. I knew Steve had a sarcastic sense of humor, but we had not been married long enough for me to know what kind of nurse he was actually going to be. So I called my mom and I said, y'all are going to have to come out here. I have no idea what he's going to do. I don't know how this is going to play out. So we had been married for five months when my parents come and stay with us for a week for me to have this surgery. The day of the surgery, I will tell you that Steve was an excellent nurse. He was loving. He was caring. He was funny. He was cracking jokes. He would bring me anything that I need. He fetched very, very well. And it lasted for exactly 24 hours. <laughs> 24 hours. 24 hours later, he is in the front yard digging in the flower bed, and my mom takes over. 
I needed to know what kind of nurse Steve was going to be. And that was the sign that I got. Good nurse for a limited amount of time. But that's what I was looking for. What was the answer? We all have signs that we're looking for to tell us who Jesus is and what we can expect of Jesus. Well, where do we go to look for these signs? Where do we go to see a new understanding of Jesus? Who do we turn to? Who do we ask? Where do we go to get these interpretations of these elements? Where is it that we are going to go look? Each of us has a different experience with Jesus. Each one of us is loved by God, created by God, so each person on this planet has an experience with God. My experience with Jesus is going to be very different from yours. If I were to write out my gospel of who Jesus is, it's going to look different than yours. But no person's story is of less value than anyone else's. So where do we go to hear these stories? I want us to look at what this passage is telling us as to who witnessed the miracle of the water into wine. The bridal party didn't know. The bridegroom didn't know. The steward didn't know. The rich people who were hosting this wedding didn't know. Who witnessed it? The servants. The servants knew. The people who are low on the totem pole, low in society, those who are cast aside, pushed aside, ignored, often silenced. Those whose story would never be heard. That's who witnessed this. Who are the pushed aside and cast aside in our society? Who are the ones that are told, no, 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 we don't want to see you, we don't even want to hear you? Who are the ones that are so low on the totem pole that we figure their story just doesn't even matter? It has no value. Who is that to us? That's where the miracles happen, because that's who Jesus likes to hang out with. Are those the outcasts? marginalized. So when we are looking for a sign of who Jesus is and what we can expect from Jesus, where do we go to find those signs? And how do we value someone else's experience? When we take the time to actually engage in conversation, engage in relationship, actually ask and then actively listen we're going to hear somebody else's experience. How do we value what we hear? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to remember that signs point to something else. The signs point to some, something else. Someone's experience is revealing something about God. And when we hear those experiences, we need to listen for that. I said earlier that in this gospel, Jesus is God in the flesh. And that is very, very true. Jesus is God in the flesh. If we want to know what God thinks, what God looks like, and how God feels, look at Jesus. Look at the life, ministry, and teachings of Jesus, and then you will see what God wants to reveal to us about God's self. 
So when we listen to someone else's experiences and we place a value on that, what we are hearing is what God wants to reveal to us about Jesus. So we go and we listen. We may not agree. We may not agree with what someone is telling us about Jesus. But if their story is rooted in the basic truth that God loves all people, period, that God is loving and caring and God is good, if their story is rooted in that truth, then they may very well share something with us, a new perspective, a new way, a new thing to understand about God and about Jesus, and that can bring value to us by valuing someone else's story. Well, there's a second way that we can value other people's experiences of Jesus. When Mary noticed that the wine was running out, and when Jesus sort of, sort of almost says, no, I don't want any part of that, Mary turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. These are the last words of Mary recorded in the Gospels. These are the last words she says. Do whatever he tells you. That right there sums up a gospel message from Mary. Do whatever he tells you. Be obedient. Well, how do we know what Jesus is telling us? Love God, love and serve your neighbor. Boy, that's a great place to start, isn't it? Start with those things. And if we truly love our neighbor... And if we truly serve our neighbor out of love, then doesn't that bring value to them, us, and the relationship? And if we spend time getting to know the people that God wants us to love, then we're going to hear the stories. And we're going to have more value placed upon the experiences that they have. Do whatever he tells you. Be obedient. My father's mother, who I always call Granny, Granny always had the last phrase that she would say to me whenever I left her presence, and it was always, be a good girl. Be a good girl. She would tell me that whenever I was heading back to college or heading back home. She would say, be a good girl. To her, that was important, and those were the last words she wanted me to hear. Every time that I left her, behave. Be obedient. Do what we told you to do. Do what he tells you. Do. What happened when the stewards did what Jesus told them to do? When the servants did what Jesus told them to do, what happened? They witnessed a miracle. They were blessed by witnessing this miracle. Don't miss the fact that Jesus didn't ask them to do anything out of the ordinary. Jesus asked them, do your job. Simply do your job. This is something that these servants would have done wasn't asking anything outside their comfort zone, not anything unusual. Just simply do your jobs. They did what Jesus asked them to do, and they witnessed a miracle. They now had a story of an experience that revealed something about God that they could tell. Would anybody at that bridal party have listened would the rich people who were there hosting this party, would they have listened to servants? Would they have believed them? 
they had a story to tell, a story of value, would you have listened? There is so much in this story of the wedding at Cana in in Galilee. It's very typical of the Gospel of John that there's at least 16 different places you could go with this one story, just all sorts of things. But the one thing that I want us to focus on today, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Love God, love and serve your neighbor. And when you're loving your neighbor, value their stories, their experiences of God. Seek out the people whose voice is being silenced by society. Seek out the people who are living on the margins. Seek out the people who people tell us just don't even bother. We don't even want to see them. We don't want to hear from them. Because go there. That's where the miracles happen. Because that's where Jesus is. Do what he tells you. And watch for the miracles. Do what he tells you. Learn from the stories and watch for the very real presence and power of God in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.